Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via telehealth and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian and Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, our telehealth center, We have brand new telehealth patient options now open for you and lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners, we're giving away free healthy things every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode. We're giving away free signed books, free supplements, my favorite healthy things that we have at drwillcole.com and free telehealth consultations. All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you could take a screenshot of your review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every single month, we'll be going through the messages on Instagram, as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves and randomly picking winners every month. And then we'll reach out to you. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. Her name is Dr. Uma Nedu. She is a longtime friend of mine and brilliant colleague and physician. Michelin star chef David Bully described Dr. Uma Nedu as the world's first triple threat in the food and medicine space. She's a Harvard-trained psychiatrist. She's a professional chef graduating with her culinary school's most coveted award and a trained nutrition specialist. Her nexus of interests have found their niche in nutritional psychiatry. Dr. Nadu founded and directs the first hospital-based nutritional psychiatry service in the United States. She is the director of nutritional and lifestyle psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital and director of nutritional psychiatry at MGH Academy while serving on the faculty at Harvard Medical School. She was considered Harvard's mood food expert and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal. 
And on top of all of that, she's an amazing human being. Let's get right to it. This is Dr. Uma Nadu's Art of Being Well. Dr. Uma, my friend, I've wanted you on the podcast forever. It's finally happening. Thanks for coming on, my friend. I'm so excited. Uh, well, I've been wanting to as well. And it feels like we've just didn't make it until now, but this is now the perfect time. So, so thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, divine timing. I mean, you know, <laughs> I am a super fan of yours. Can you give everybody a quick like background of your work? It's so well-respected, so esteemed in our space. And then let's get into anxiety and mental health and, and all the things. But let's first start with what brought you here? How, how'd you get here? Thanks. Well, so, you know, I am a nutritional psychiatrist and uh, this is a new field that's emerging in psychiatry and a specialty that I think is vitally important because I felt early on in my career that, you know, I was prescribing medications that had severe side effects like weight gain, metabolic side effects, lack of libido, all sorts of things. But we were never addressing lifestyle factors, especially nutrition. And so over the course of my career, I really began to get more into using nutritional counseling. Along with that, I am a trained professional chef and I studied nutrition. So these things came together in sort of an unplanned way. I really followed things that I thought were important to me and were going to help the lives of my patients. I then had an opportunity to found and direct the only clinic at an academic teaching center in nutritional and metabolic psychiatry at Mass General. And through that, uh, my first book was, was released, and that was This Is Your Brain on Food, outlining mental health conditions, how to eat for different conditions and foods to cut back on so that you, you can actually improve your symptoms as one of the additional tools you have. So that's my work in nutritional psychiatry. And my second book, Calm Your Mind with Food, came about because all I saw during the pandemic was this massive increase in anxiety across age groups, demographics. Just everyone felt so much more anxious. And we know from data that the that anxiety is increased by 25%. So that's a, you know, it, it felt like something important to help help address. Yeah. Thank you for that. Obviously, we both know this, we see this on a daily basis with patients, is that Americans are, and beyond Americans, the world in many ways, it, yeah. are more anxious than ever. You mentioned the pandemic. Yes. I, I saw the same thing, is that it, it triggered some sort of, it was already going on, but it just exacerbated it's going in, yes. yeah, to the next level. And then even in this post-pandemic era, we're still seeing it. So it's like, I don't want to say it broke something, but it it really amplified something in many people that was latent or there, but just took it to the next level. So what's the statistics? What are we facing yeah. when you're talking about yeah. anxiety? Yeah. So the, I think, and I think you make an excellent point because mental health was sort of always in a crisis, but the pandemic kind of uncovered it or uncapped it. Uh, so I totally agree with you on that. So anxiety disorders have, have actually in the United States always been the most prevalent mental health disorder, usually several times more than depression. But after COVID, research published in The Lancet showed that we moved from about 298 million people to about 374 million people, which is about a 25% increase. So we know that the statistics are showing us this, and we know from how we feel and, and how we know others around us are feeling. 
But also, you know, the American Psychological Association back in 2019 said that about three quarters of adults report some form of actual stress. So, so people were feeling it. And I think to your point, a lot almost just, just came forward that may have been there in a more minor form for a lot of people. But also, I think what's significant to know is globally, about 70% of people with mental illness, including anxiety, receive no treatment from a healthcare provider. So there are so many individuals who never get to see a provider. Maybe they don't know they need one. Maybe they don't have access. So I think that the more times we can find an integrated approach to health that offers people more solutions, we really have to be able to jump in and offer some guidance on that. Got it. So most of the listeners here are seasoned health science aficionados. They know already that food is going to impact how your brain works, right? Food will impact your mood. We're going to get into the details, the science and like pro tips to optimize this. But maybe for the novice out there, or maybe the person that's on the fence on mental health specifically and its connection to food, maybe they can get behind like the metabolic side of it or the Mm -hmm. gut health side of it, but they're somehow disconnected from food's impact on mental health because we like Mm -hmm. to separate mental health from physical health in our country, which is still a problem. So can you make the case, how can food impact our mood? I think you've said that very well. And I would just point out that, you know, mental health is no longer an above the neck concept. We are understanding as, as clinicians, as providers, that this is so much more integrated. We know that the gut and brain, I know that your audience is very familiar with the gut-brain connection, the gut microbiome. But, you know, that science is extremely valid when it comes to nutritional psychiatry and mental health. Because I say to people all the time, what happens if you have a headache? You know, where's the pain? And they'll say, well, it's part of my head. And what do you do? Well, I usually take, you know, something for a headache pill. And, and then I say more specifically, so what do you do when you take the headache pill? Well, I, I swallow it. I drink some water. And I hope that 10 to 15 minutes later, the headache goes away. And I said, but, you know, you, you're swallowing something that it, that's acting on your head. How do you think that works? And slowly it starts to unfold that what we consume, whether it's food or medication, whatever it is, is going to go through the digestive system, but it may impact many different parts of the body, including the brain. And by bringing the point home that mental health is one of those conditions that we can impact, it's not prescriptive, we're not at that point yet, but it is actually full of research-backed evidence that can guide us towards things to tweak in your diet, you know, and things that can help you to improve mental health in different conditions. Got it. I mean, you and I live and breathe this stuff. Why do you feel you mentioned it not being prescriptive yet, right? In the in mm-hmm. the conventional setting, right? But in the conventional know, I, setting, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I could see it being extremely. I've seen so many mental health issues yeah. improve, reversed completely through food changes, and they're going to learn how to do it from your book. How to support this in the in body? This is a complex question. Like, why do you feel like it's not talked about? You mentioned your field of nutritional psychiatry being kind of a newer field and a small, a burgeoning field. Why but, isn't it talked about? Why isn't it taught even in in medical school? You're correct. We don't. You know, we barely learn nutrition in medical school, and and only about twenty percent of medical schools have adequate nutrition training. So it's a huge gap. But my opinion is that it starts with how our medical system is set up. 
And we tend to practice defensive medicine in the traditional settings, which is I come in, I have that headache or I have something and you're going to treat me. And usually the provider pulls out a prescription pad or electronic prescription, whatever it is, that gives you a medication and that's it. So we, we are never actually looking at prevention as much as we should. That is evolving and changing, but not as much as we should. We're not looking at how can we actually avoid this altogether? How can we change lifestyle factors? These are just not being considered. What I will say that I'm hopeful about is um, organizations like lifestyle medicine, lifestyle psychiatry, a lot of these are now moving forward to bring that. But when you take the traditional medical system, it's based on either use use of insurance, seeing the doctor, getting a medication, the way that the billing system works, the way that providers are trained. It's this transaction that while it involves care, it usually almost always involves a medication. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't any motivation for people to say, well, what about eating more fruits and vegetables? What about, you know, simple things that we could really prescribe in that way? How about adjusting this diet? How about taking up an exercise class? How about figuring out a way that you could spend time outdoors, um, walk more, move more, be mindful? Lots of things related to more of an integrated approach, but no one's talking about that. There is no motivation to do that because the billing system, you know, you see a patient, you bill for that visit, you know, you prescribe a medication, the billing code goes in and that's the system. We need to change that and we need to really help people with more solutions. And I, I know mm-hmm. that you're doing that in your practice. So mm-hmm. I'm glad for that. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for years I've been drinking AG1 every single day, no exceptions. All you have to do is just one scoop. I put a scoop in water, mix it up, do that every day. It makes me feel energized, focused, nourished, strong. Each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and so much more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. Healthy aging shouldn't feel complicated. The thought of taking tons of supplements can be exhausting for people, but just one daily scoop of AG1 will cover your nutrient gaps and support your mental health your immune system, your gut health, your focus, so many different things without a lot of hassle. In just 60 seconds every morning, I know I'm giving my body what it truly needs and setting up sustainable habits for the long run. If there's one product that I love that covers your nutritional basis, think foundational health. I look at labs all day long and I see nutrient deficiencies so commonly that it can be the underlying root cause of why you're having trouble focusing, why your metabolism is sluggish, why you're struggling with inflammation, immune system issues, poor gut health. Well, you can fill in the gaps very simply with just one scoop of AG1 every single day. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, which will support many pathways like your immune system, your mood, so many things. And you're also going to get five free AG1 travel packs that I just mentioned. When you get both of those with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash Will Cole. That's drinkag1.com slash Will Cole. Check it out. 
Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckle Foodie and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I am right there with you. That's what Freckle Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five, launching with Dear Media on November 9th, and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. I'm curious of here. Do you get pushback? You're a positive disruptor in the space and your, your field is, but you're a leader in your field. So do you get pushback? Do you get people, you know, criticizing the conversations that you're starting about food's impact on our mood? I do. It hasn't been affecting me and I'll tell you why. I'm very new to social media and being kind of out there with a book and, and sharing my message and using social media as an educational platform. It really only began for me a few years ago during the pandemic. And I sort of learned the hard way just to kind of ignore the white noise. Someone said something interesting to me the other night. Well, I don't know what you think of this. Whether you offer something for free, or whether you charge people, there will be people complaining either way. And, and I'm not even talking about a specific product. There's just, there's always going to be a group of people that don't agree. I think what has been really helpful for me is the positive support I've had from within my mm -hmm. department. And the fact mm -hmm. that uh, having this clinic has been something that was supported. And that has counted for a lot in my career because there are lots of naysayers, lots of people who think, well, why would you do this? You know, there's so many inaccuracies here. Then. That's actually not not technically true. You know, that's why I believe in, you know, quoting the research in all of my books as you do as well. And it, I think that's important because a person mm -hmm. who's, you know, scientific listener and reader, as I'm sure you have on the show would, you know, say, well, I want to check out that fact. And then they can look up mm -hmm. the reference. You know, I think mm -hmm. those things become important. So I'm fortunate that I don't see that as openly. And mm -hmm. I also feel you have to find the balance for yourself. Mm -hmm. Well said, well said. So let's get into what do people do, some practical things. In the book, you'll give us all the ins and outs, the details yes. of it. But let's give people today, what does the beginnings of yes. a curated anti-anxiety shopping yes. list look like? They're in the grocery store, maybe they're online. Like, what do we need right. to buy? Right. I think the first thing we need to kind of take a step back and, and prepare to go to this, this, whether your supermarket, your farmer's market, wherever it is you shop, even if you're doing online shopping. And number one, don't do it when you're hungry. Because you can <laughs> That's make, a good you tip. Can, you, you That's can, a good you're tip. You're going to make the wrong choices. <laughs> you're just going to make the wrong choices. Yeah. So if you are a little technician, you know, you're rushing home from your clinic and work or wherever it is, drink a glass of water because we know that hydration, we know that hunger and thirst, based on the centers of the brain, they often get mixed. So just drink a glass of water and then proceed to your supermarket. And how I want people to think about it is I want them to value certain middle aisles and spend a lot of time on the perimeter. We've talked about that before. But the perimeter is really where you're going to start with your produce section and fill your, your shopping cart with as many different colors, textures, flavors of 
vegetables that you can look for the things that are on sale you know buy in a in an in a way that meets your budget and remember that you know for the veggies you can get them uh, more budget friendly options in the frozen section like frozen cauliflower broccoli but make sure there's no sauce or syrup or sugar or anything else in it because those will last longer and you won't have to bother cleaning it if you don't have the time so I want people to do that then I want them to think about the healthy fats and healthy proteins so you know the if you consume dairy if you consume meat if you consume seafood poultry pull up on those there's also in those aisles things like tofu tempeh but then the center aisles can be extremely valuable it's not just the cookies crackers and candy and cereals you can also find things like beans legumes lentils all of which are very cost effective so say you don't want to pressure cook chickpeas uh, which are rich in tryptophan great for your brain you can actually buy canned organic chickpeas rinse them out and use it or canned chickpeas rinse them out and use it. same thing with salmon say a whole side of salmon while salmon is super expensive canned salmon canned oysters canned mussels are not that pricey they're economical and you can you can eat them for those healthy omega-3 fats so mm-hmm. i want people to think about how they go into the supermarket i want them to think ahead of things that they build from the list that's why it's sort of provide a list that people can just quickly check off the things they need and the things they like. Those are some tips to to get people started and realize that, you know, that it's it's about the balance you bring to that cart and mm-hmm. having more healthy foods than the processed foods. Mm-hmm. What are the most, maybe what's the most surprising foods you think that people think are good for them or maybe okay and benign? but mm-hmm. could be an underlying saboteur for their anxiety. Like any surprising mm-hmm. things out there that you that you find people yeah. are, are mistaken about? Simple things like granola, fruited yogurts. Um, granola, if you make it at home with your own healthy mix and you control what you put into it and put those delicious spices, very different from a store-bought granola. There's certain newer brands now that actually do a great job of it, but not all of them are the same. Always look mm-hmm. for the sugar content. And if you can, you know, I have a recipe in my book, just maybe make a little batch on your own. It's fresher. Mm-hmm. You use it for that week and you can do lots of stuff with it. Another one that people often fall into the trap of is, well, you know, I've, I've heard kombucha is a fermented food. You tell me to eat that, to drink that. And, you know, you've told me yogurt is a good uh, option for probiotics and all of this stuff. So I'm eating that. But you've also told me blueberries. So I thought, well, fruit and blueberry yogurt is the best one. So I bought that. But if you turn over the, the half cup container, it has at least eight teaspoons of sugar in it. And people don't realize that because our food labels yeah, you know, this is this really tricks the public. Food labels on grams, and we cook and bake in the United States in pounds and ounces. So people don't know what a gram is in terms right. of measurement because we don't, you know, our recipes are not written that way. So four grams of uh, sugar is one teaspoon. And if you look at a little yogurt, it could have a ton of sugar. So just have plain yogurt, get the frozen blueberries, wild blueberries have actually twice the amount of antioxidants. So do that and add some cinnamon and you have a great and delicious breakfast or snack. But those are the little traps that people don't realize with kombucha. I, I don't expect everyone to be making it at home, but at the same time, maybe look for the ones that have less added sugar. In that. And that's that's important too, because it's become very much a functional food, but mm-hmm. a lot of the, many of them also have a lot of added sugar. Mm-hmm. I know it, there's so much bio-individuality with this. And like when we 
talk about prescriptive, being prescriptive, people will oftentimes ask me, well, how much sugar, like added sugar, can we have or should we have? Or is the answer zero? Like it's it's kind of hard to avoid it entirely unless you're exactly. really being That's specific about point. it. That's yeah, so an excellent what's, point. What's like, do you have like a ballpark that you typically mm-hmm. want people to shoot for, for added sugar? And can we differentiate, I guess, between sugar, like table sugar and these more quote unquote healthier varieties? This is an excellent point. So when I'm speaking about this, I'm really referring to kind of cane sugar, table sugar, the processed version. We want to make it clear to people that our bodies need sugar. So we should not be excluding it in every which way and form. We just want to get it from better sources. So Mm -hmm. a a quarter cup of blueberries, totally different from a candy bar or, you know, a fruited yogurt, which has the added sugar. It's not just from the fruit. So Mm -hmm. I think looking for that, or for example, an orange has the fiber and the nutrients that you need, but orange juice in the store has the fiber removed and often added sugar. So very different products. To get it from the healthiest sources, and still consuming sugar. I I generally ask people to Google the American Cardiology Association. They have some guidelines around things like sugar, salt, fiber, lots of actual actual good data, and take it from there. You know, we are highly unique. Our microbiomes are like a thumbprint, so we react differently. But having some sugar in your diet is important. Don't exclude it entirely, but get it from better sources. Same thing with carbohydrates. You know, carbohydrates are not just bread and pasta. You get carbohydrates and vegetables. But it's it's the ones that you consume that are more complex, and it's a different product than um, a piece of just sliced bread. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite natural sweetener? Like if someone's going to sweeten something, this is another yeah. thing that people want to know. Well, what What do you recommend? So I like honey. I use a touch of honey in things. And the reason I chose honey, which which doesn't work for individuals who are fully plant-based, the reason I chose honey is it has other health benefits. And for eons, it has had those health benefits. It's just that if you're putting an entire cup of honey into something, that's very <laughs> different depending on what you're making. So touch of honey or, you know, whether it's tea or yogurt or whatever it is, a drizzle, a touch, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that that's my go-to when I want to sweeten something, but mm-hmm. it's it's not for everyone. And I think people who don't consume honey would have to find a choice that, that mm-hmm. works for them, understanding that these all break down to sugar, but there are other benefits that come with it. Mm-hmm. So for all those poo bears out there, watch out for the amount of pots of honey you're consuming. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, love but poo bears, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who doesn't love poo? I mean, it's uh, like you. And he's so likable, like walking around with that (laughs) t-shirt. Okay. And I love Manuka honey specifically too. I I mean, it can be pricier, but I love the research around it. I do love it. it. I I do. And you're absolutely right. And it's one of my favorites as well. But I've also gotten the feedback from from my patients that, you know, that's a different price point. So if they want to sweeten, maybe work up to that or get it once in a while. And sometimes, you know, farmers markets have have local honey and things like yeah. that. So those are good options too. They're not always that expensive. So Right, right, right. Organic, raw honey when possible, right? Which can yes. be lower cost than a Manuka normally would be. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. I, exactly. Most of you know by now that I'm a fan of sober curiosity. We have these conversations with telehealth patients of this personal experiments and protocols to try not drinking alcohol and seeing how you feel and getting curious about that. Here is a pro tip. Just one athletic non-alcohol beer counts as giving dry a try. Maybe it's on the weeknights or your kids' soccer games 
or the night you're chosen to be DD, you have to check this out. These are brews that are great tasting and full of flavor. They don't make you feel like you're giving anything up and they have an enormous variety of styles to try. Golden, sours, IPAs, you name it. Another pro tip is just trying totally counts for one brew, one night, one week, whatever you choose. We're not talking about teetotaling, even though your boy's a teetotaler for the most part, right? Athletic is a certified B Corp, so you can feel great about drinking great brews all month. This is definitely something that I recommend to telehealth patients that are looking for non-alcoholic options. They can still be social, hang out with their friends, but feel good afterward. This January, give Dry a try with Athletic Brewing Company. Order online or find them at a store or bar nearby at athleticbrewing.com. Pro tip, use my code WillCole at checkout to get 15% off your first order online. That's code W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Listen up. If you want to know the secret to calming anxiety, calming stress hormones, regulating a dysregulated hypervigilant nervous system, improving your gut health and vagal tone, a tool that I have loved for years. It's a game changer for so many of my telehealth patients as well. It's breath work. This is why I use the Open app. Let me explain. If you're like me, you've tried it all. I mean, it's my job to try all the latest science-backed tools to support your wellness. And I see things that maybe are not very sustainable, but work. See things that don't work at all. I see things that really do work and are sustainable. Open up is a both and in this category. It's very sustainable and it's very, very effective for supporting your health and all those things that I just mentioned. It took me years to find a better way and now I'm passing it on to you. You only need five minutes a day. The open method is simple and it works. It combines breath work, meditation, and fitness. And they have a badass community of people doing it together, all committed to personal growth and optimal wellness. Open is the one thing you can do every day that sets you up for success. I usually do breath work in the morning. It makes me feel more focused than coffee without the jitters. I've been doing the meditations before bed and I'm asleep in under 10 minutes every single time. It's incredibly well-designed. You'll know when you see it. You have to give this a try. My only regret, honestly, is that Open wasn't around longer. It's something that I'm recommending to telehealth patients and I'm also recommending to you. This app will change your life. If you want to get on my daily routine, you can get 30 days free of Open by visiting withopen.com slash willcole. Again, that's 30 days completely free by visiting withopen.com slash willcole. Okay, so let's go back to something you said earlier. I'm curious to get your answer on this is the fact that food, you mentioned medications, right? And having these potential side effects and you and I, we're not anti-medication. We're just asking the question, okay, what's your most effective option that causes you the least amount of side effects. And medications can be, of course, a tool within people's toolbox. But I'm curious if you have like a, I don't know if there's been any studies on this, I haven't seen any, but like if you had to put like a estimation of what you think, if we started with food, Mm. how many people that would have been prescribed won't need medications 
if they took your advice from your book? Do you have a rough estimate of how many people could be helped? I would love to guess at that. But, you know, I appreciate your question. I really feel that many people come to me on a prescription. And over time, we are able to work with their prescriber to slowly taper off that medication. But there are also individuals who come really just wanting to work on your nutritional strategies. I will answer this question in the following way. Research in psychiatry has shown that with conditions like anxiety and a medication is prescribed, less than 50% of people actually get better and have resolution of symptoms. A very tiny percent have, have real resolution. Most people remain symptomatic and some people have no effect at all. So just looking at that and knowing that anxiety is so rife, I would love to say that more than 50% of people if they had, and I want to also put this in context, you know, if you don't, if it's not an acute psychiatric condition, so you're not suicidal, you're not, you know, you don't have mania, you don't have a lack of psychosis, that's different. That requires acute care, as you know. But if you are struggling with something and you just, maybe you can't get an appointment with a therapist or a doctor, one of the things you can do is start tweaking how you eat. And that's very powerful. And I've seen it help a lot of people, even individuals who will come and say, I, now I don't, I, I always encourage therapy, but now I don't need a prescription. So I'll, I won't go to that doctor. I'll continue along this path because I've tweaked my diet. And they've done that while literally waiting for an appointment because the wait list is so long. I agree with you. I think that that 50% is probably even conservative for these people that have generalized anxiety. I think it's conservative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you're being extremely conservative, which is, I think, hopeful, right, uh, for people out there that are kind of maybe surprised by that number. I mean, that's a lot of people that can be helped with a lot more effective options with no side effects. There's no side effects of doing the no, things we're talking about here. It, correct. Because, you know, you, if you don't like a food or you have a food allergen intolerance, you just stay away from it. Mm -hmm. And food is so easy. It's, you know, we have to eat, you know, whatever uh, dietary pattern you follow, you, you are eating. And it's, it's so easy to make the right choices. And you're right. I wanted to be conservative about the number, even though in my practice, honestly, it's closer to 70, 75%. Mm -hmm. And, and, and well, I'll tell you that the, the individuals who struggle the most with nutritional psychiatry plans are those with orthorexia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they just have a, a very one, one or two super healthy habits, but they become really to the point of exclusion of other healthy habits. So it can be a little bit challenging to get someone like that to change and be more inclusive of other foods, for example. Mm, thanks for highlighting that. I think like I'm always ta talking about with patients more than on the show is that you can have a great tool that is in theory effective. You've seen it work clinically, there's science behind it, but a good tool can be abused when somebody has a certain relationship with their body, food, mm. or or both. So, I, I mean, you mentioned that being more complex. It is more complex because sometimes you have to be pragmatic and realize if somebody's healing from disordered eating like orthorexia or another eating disorder, mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. of these interventions may not be possible. And it's oftentimes in those cases that I have to work with an eating disorder specialist to yes. make, it doesn't have to be either or. I think you can heal your relationship with food and your body and yes. also get eat, eat foods that love you back. And that, that's going to take time, but it's something that I think some people like to be either or, but I really do think it should be both and. I think it should be. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I frequently, because, you know, I've worked with eating disorders in the course of my career, I know that 
I, I, I really feel like NADA and the National Eating Disorder Association should identify orthorexia as a formal eating disorder. They identified as an issue. I think it's still an evolution around the research, but I think as clinicians, we see it so often that we know it is some form of disordered eating. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right about that. And the issue is that you can absolutely heal that relationship with food. It, it just takes time. It takes the right types of therapy. It takes, you know, work with families. It takes, it, it's just more complicated. And, but can it be done? Absolutely. You know, there's, there's hope for people to figure out the best solutions for that. Mm-hmm. I agree. So let's go into micronutrients. What are some micronutrients? Maybe let's open it up to micronutrients and antioxidants. Like, is there any superheroes in that category that you feel like people should be more mindful of the research around and its impact on its anti-anxiety effects on the body? I love to talk about iron. And the reason I like to talk about iron is it's often ignored. And it is a very common deficiency in women and children. And it is highly correlated in younger people, infants, children, and teens with anxiety. So a simple thing like spending time figuring out how to improve the foods we eat with iron, having that checked by a doctor, maybe you need additional supplementation from a doctor is is very key, but it just often gets overlooked. A very high deficiency of iron, iron deficiency anemia in the world. So I'd like people to understand that. And also I have a really neat trick around this. So I love talking about dark chocolate because not only does it actually help anxiety, it is rich in so many so many nutrients that, that help the brain and are good for you. But we, of course, we're not talking about the candy bar and I know you know that, but dark chocolate is actually the one plant food with the highest level of iron in it. But it's of course the non-heme iron that you would normally get from say red meat. Mm. But the kicker is to get it absorbed, you need vitamin C. So one of my favorite things to do is eat dark chocolate with like a piece of clementine or a slice of orange because you get your vitamin C, you get this great flavor uh, together with the dark chocolate, but actually that's helping you absorb iron in your body as well. And these are slow and steady things that you can do, but it's, a, it's just a neat trick to also, you know, enjoy something sweet that you like. I would echo that. I see low iron ubiquitously. And its impact on the mood, but also energy, hair energy. health, immune yeah. system function, Everything. so many hormone health. <laughs> I could go on and on. <laughs> so, I mean, you brought up a good point of heme iron, non-heme iron, obviously with the vitamin C helping with iron absorption is a great tip. Do you have a stance on someone that's strict vegan versus more omnivore and the bioavailability mm-hmm. and nutrient density of foods? Do you find in mm-hmm. your clinical experience that one group has an advantage over the other or is it about the same as long as you're conscious and specific? I think that it we come back to bioindividuality and personalized medicine, right? So so not everyone's gonna be the same. But there's some things that I've observed in clinical work. And the research does bear this out. I feel like if you're say strictly plant-based and vegan, there are certain things that you may want to consider supplementing. One is, you know, even though you might eat plant-based sources of omegas, like short-chain omegas, ALA from, you know, flax seeds and hemp seeds and things like that, the, the conversion and absorption is different. So what I'd like people to consider in that instance, and I will suggest, is an alcohol oil supplement. So that this is something to think about. I think that vitamin B12 is mostly, you know, for meat sources, but vegans can actually use nutritional yeast 
in a lot of foods because it um, is fortified with vitamin B12. So I do think if you're paying attention to those things, I don't think you can just say, I'm only going to eat these foods and I'm going to be fine. You have to consider that there's the iron, there's all these different nutrients that you might need. I think with with omnivores, I I feel like both with any and all groups, we need to cut back a little bit. It's hard in this world that we live in to avoid a processed food, but being aware, making a conscious choice about which foods you're eating that are processed and trying to move a little bit away from those, but making sure that you're eating it sounds like a cliche, but a well-balanced diet. So if you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you eat everything, then make sure you're getting this from the healthy fats, you know, the lots of veggies, the clean proteins and that kind of stuff. But I do think you need to tweak for that special diet that you have because mm-hmm. you may be missing nutrients. And that's where supplementation becomes hugely important. Running the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center for the past 13 years, we love data. And one of the ways that we measure data for patients' metabolic health is continuous glucose monitors. Because the CDC estimates that there are approximately 96 million American adults, more than one in three of us have prediabetes. More than 80%, shockingly, don't even know it. Foods that are high in carbohydrates can raise blood sugar more than other foods. During digestion, the pancreas produces insulin, which then binds the sugar in the blood and takes it into the cells as a source of energy. If you have prediabetes, sugar begins to build up in the bloodstream rather than fuel the cells. This is when insulin resistance occurs, which is believed to be the number one cause of prediabetes. Of course, a healthy weight allows insulin to work more efficiently and can help to keep blood sugars within a normal range. A healthy diet and foods that love you back, regular exercise, stress management are the best ways to help bring your blood sugar levels back to a healthy range. Cygnos can help you short circuit the cycle by using data directly from your body to design a weight loss plan that's unique to your lifestyle. Cygnos is the only company that combines a continuous glucose monitor or CGM with an AI driven app to deliver real time glucose monitoring for optimal health and weight management. With Cygnos, you can literally see which foods cause your blood sugar to spike above reasonable levels and get real-time alerts to do a bit of exercise to bring them back down. It's real-time data of what things in life impact your blood sugar balance. This is something that I've used that we recommend to telehealth patients. I really want you to check this out as well. Cygnos removed the guesswork of weight loss and provided me with the tools and knowledge I needed to develop healthier habits. It combines my glucose data from the CGM, the continuous glucose monitor with an AI-driven app to deliver me real-time glucose insights for optimal health and weight management. Right now, Cygnos has an offer exclusively for our listeners. Go to Cygnos.com, that's S-I-G-N-O-S.com and get 25% off select plans by using code WILLCOLE today. That's Cygnos.com. Use code Will Cole to get 25% off select plans today. It's January, right? So, so many people are interested in focusing on high quality, delicious, nutrient-dense foods that love us back. Foods that are made from scratch that make you feel good. No matter what time of year, I love going to Sweet Green to get an amazing salad, which is Perfect for anything you're looking to do in January to get the year starting right. But I have to tell you guys, I always thought Sweet Green was a salad only place, but they just launched these new protein plates. Oh my gosh, they're freaking delicious, which is actually perfect 
because it's full of protein, tastes amazing. They have amazing bowls like the miso glazed salmon, the Southwest chicken fajita, the hot honey chicken protein plates. These are so amazing. And I actually was recently on a work trip with my telehealth team and we each got our own and we tried them all and they all taste amazing. My favorite probably has to be the miso glazed salmon or the Southwest chicken fajita or the hot honey chicken. Honestly, love them all. I like rotating throughout the week. It starts with freshly cooked miso glazed salmon or herb roasted chicken. And my favorite part is that they're convenient. It takes the guesswork out of it to make sure you're optimizing protein. So protein optimization is something that we definitely work on with telehealth patients and sweet green takes the guesswork out of it. And it's not just about the proteins. You're also getting fiber rich vegetables in these bowls as well. And these are cooked with no seed oils, only extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil. So what's super cool is that every sweet green location works with local farmers, local suppliers, which means they are supporting our community. Use promo code COLE5, that's C-O-L-E and the number five, for $5 off for all new users. Try the all new protein plates at your local Sweet Green or in the Sweet Green app. So let's talk about bioactives, herbal medicines. What are your favorites? Like uh, that you're talking about supportive tools for a mm -hmm. calm mind. What are your mm -hmm. favorites? Some of my favorites are actually ashwagandha, for example, which is an ancient used, you know, from Ayurvedic practice. And it's though, I will tell you, it's very bitter. So I usually suggest to people, they take it as a supplement mm -hmm. and a supplement in a pull form because it might be in a supplement, but to disguise the bitterness, often a lot of sugar is added. So just watch for that. But it has a lot of good evidence in calming the mind and helping anxiety. Other things that I like are, I, I like to encourage people about things that they often overlook, like calming teas. You know, there's chamomile tea, there's passion flower, there's lavender, there's so many teas, there's green tea that actually have a very calming effect. And so just incorporating these into your daily regimen, the, you know, sometimes just the art of preparing a cup of tea can just be a peaceful moment for someone. It could be that, that, reset in the afternoon that you need when you, you, you know, you're running from one Zoom meeting to the next or you're in your clinic or whatever, whatever work you do. So I think that that's another little thing that I want. I, I sort of want people to go back and re-examine things that we've started to overlook, like iron, the, the teas that we can drink, even hydrating, just the fact that you're hydrating mm -hmm. could help your anxiety because dehydration will often, it can even precipitate a panic attack and I've seen it. So, mm -hmm. so these things are just different things that we can do, but we may be overlooking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, even the hydration specifically wa water, but also electrolytes, I find to be such a missing Very thing important. that you can obviously get from food and that may be enough for many people. But I find that like adding extra electrolytes can be quite helpful from a beyond just a calmed mind, but just a overall healthy mind. Do you find that to be the case too? I absolutely love what you said, because one of the ways that I work with people is around the fact that, you know, maybe we don't know that they're a little bit low. A lot of Americans actually low in magnesium, you know, low zinc, not so much, but definitely magnesium, but you know, whatever, whatever's going on in their lives, mm -hmm. they may actually be just need a little bit of a boost from some electrolytes. So they may not be fully deficient, but mm -hmm. that little boost can actually help them 
feel more effective, feel calmer. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree. I use electrolytes a lot in individuals who enjoy them. They can add it to, you know, powder to their water. They can, you know, they, they especially because I'm also encouraging them around movement and exercise and trying to find a way just to 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 take it on as a lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, lifestyle choice to be active. So. You're right. I think some people come with that baggage of fearing salt, like sodium specifically as an electrolyte. Mm. But I mm. find that, especially as you mentioned, you're moving, maybe you're sweating, or as somebody removes processed food from their diet, that's where most Americans and Westerners are getting their sodium. Getting so salt. That, then they swing <laughs> the other direction. And I'm not saying to have the processed foods to get your sodium, but <laughs> like replenish that mineral with like Himalayan sea salt, right? Or Celtic sea salt. Right. What do you think of that? So actually, I think, you're, I think what you're saying is exactly right. And I see it all the time because people are very fearful about salt. They've been told by their doctors, you know, it'll affect your blood pressure. All of this is true. It's not that it's not true. But we are consuming the huge amounts of salt and sugar in things like ketchup, pasta sauces that are store-bought, salad dressings, simplest things that you don't even realize may even be, you know, snacks like pretzels and stuff. Or actually even canned soups have a ton of sodium in them. We, we don't realize it. So if we were just, you know, trying to pivot around what can we change and alter and eating just whole foods, if we went toward eating less of the sad or standard American diet and more of just a whole foods diet, whatever your combination of foods may be, I think that that would make a difference. And you know, electrolytes could just actually boost the way you you you're feeling. And you know, that being said, you know, speak to your doctor. You know, you may be on medications and things like that. But it's it's a healthy a healthy thing to do. And I try to support that in my patients, mm-hmm. especially because I you know I have the medical record in front of me and I, I kind of know what's going on with them. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the kitchen for a moment. Someone wants to have an anti-anxiety kitchen. And, and what? let's start with cooking. We're, we're talking about, we mentioned the grocery store earlier and they're getting all these good foods and they can get that full shopping list in your book. But what are some like essential cooking techniques or tips that we need to be learning for a calm mind? Yeah. So I know that people love fried foods and crunchy snacks. And I have started to encourage people to just learn to use an air fry if they can, or learn to oven bake things to a crispy texture. So you still have the crunch factor that you enjoy from a French fry, but you're making it in a healthier way. Um, I also love to teach people just how to build a salad. It sounds simple, but we often talk about this color and that color, but just building a salad, having that prepped in your fridge for a few days at a time means that you have something healthy that you can go to for lunch, just add in your clean protein, healthy fats, a little bit of, you know, a squeeze of lemon and chimlain salt and a little bit of pepper and you have a salad. You know, you have a meal that is really partly prepared for you. I'm a big, big proponent of meal prep, especially uh, for a few days at a time. I'm a big proponent of, you know, what are foods that you can cook ahead and freeze and use at other times. One of those foods is lentils because you can cook batches of lentils, you can add meats, you can add you can add anything to that that you'd like. But these are healthy bases from which you can uh, make soups, stews, curries, whatever it is that you like. So, and the other thing that I, I really leaned into in this book is unusual and interesting spices, because that's a big thing that I enjoy. I enjoy cooking and I enjoy different flavors. And I also believe recipes should be flexible. So even though I've 
actually was raised in a vegetarian family. So honestly, I was born into it and I didn't know anything else. I cook anything, but I also like recipes to be flexible. So if someone in the family eats chicken and someone else eats tofu, you should be able to use that recipe and just, you know, change out the protein because that just makes it easier for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. So yeah, you have some delicious, beautiful recipes in the book. What? I know it's hard to pick. No, it's hard to pick, but I'm going to make you pick. What's your favorite recipe? Let's just do the, maybe the top two. What's your favorite, like day in the life of a calm mind? What are we eating? So I'm going to go with my, so the whole day. Gonna do the yeah, whole let's day. do the whole day. Okay. Let's do okay, three, let's do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, yeah. so one of my favorite ways is to make sure that I have something for breakfast. And it may not be that I eat first thing in the morning. I usually like something like uh, that I can prepare ahead, like a chia pudding, which is giving me the protein, the fibers that I need, a great source of nutrients. And then I like to top it with, you know, a couple of nuts and maybe some blueberries because those are, that's, that is not only filling, it's going it, to, it's going to keep me kind of satiated. I love having uh, a prepped salad for lunch that I'll do for a few days at a time. And I like to add baked uh, or um, oven-baked or air-fried tofu to it, crispy texture, or I add a lot of lentils to it. It's a hearty salad. I love those leafy greens because those are bringing you the folate and nutrients you need. But you also want to add those proteins. I love a piece of avocado with it. So I build up and I like to challenge myself, like, what more colors can I do? What, What can I do differently today to make it different? For someone who eats meat, it could be baked chicken, it could be a piece of salmon, it could be, you know, a sliced, maybe you cooked beef the night before, some pieces of that with the salad, so you're having your protein. And for dinner, I, I love to do things like, you know, people talk about chicken tikka masala, and you can do that, but I also like to do a cauliflower tikka. I also like to do eggplant with different Asian spices. I kind of experimented in this book with a more Mediterranean flavors. So foods that we eat every day, but bringing in those Mediterranean flavors, but with some Asian spices as well. Mm. So that, you know, some of them have a little bit of a Korean kick. Some of them have a little bit of a South Asian kick, but it makes it more interesting for people to flavor up, whether it's an eggplant or, you know, uh, a piece of chicken, whatever it is, they can mm-hmm. make it flavorful. And that's, that's really the, the idea behind it. Delicious. And I have to say this calm chocolate mousse in the book looks freaking delicious. <laughs> like, tell me about that. Like, I want to know, I want people to know. So we, we, you know, we talked about using extra dark chocolate, right? So I think we, we know that this is a good choice, but you know, you can also do things like use fruit, avocado, and organic cacao powder to make a chocolate mousse because not everyone eats chocolate, right? So I think that the extra dark chocolate with the cacao flavonols is a good way to go. I love that as a snack. But individuals who don't consume chocolate for whatever reason, not everyone considers it a you know fully plant food, then the option for them is to actually make this chocolate mousse with other ingredients. And I was people love chocolate, so I just trying to make uh, make a way to add in as many brain nutrients. And mm-hmm. so it has things like avocado, believe it or not, for the creaminess. Avocados are rich in fiber, so that's great for anxiety. Rich in magnesium, another another thing that we need. And then uh, using organic cacao powder to make mm-hmm. it a chocolate flavor. So thinking out of the box to have those things that we look for at, you know, at the Thanksgiving lunch or whatever it is, you know, chocolate mousse mm-hmm. or whatever these decadent things are, mm-hmm. we can still have tasty foods and they just don't have mm-hmm. to have 
the less healthy ingredients that we would say make up holidays. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm going to do is make the calm chocolate mousse. And I like peanut butter. I know it's contested in the health world, but I'll get like organic Valencia peanut butter and like mix it with the mousse. To me, that sounds amazing. Oh, that's a great idea. I love nut butters. And that's the whole thing. And I really appreciate what you're saying because you take the recipe and, you know, in culinary school, we're taught to do this all the time, like make it your own, put your own little twist on it. And that's sort of what I did with these recipes. But adding that in gives you what another one is, you know, extra dark chocolate chips. You know, if you, mm-hmm. you, you can do it that way, you can actually add, you can melt dark chocolate and add it to this for that creamy texture. It just depends on how, mm-hmm. how you want to make it. I, you have a recipe in the book, shiitake bacon. I've been public on the show that I recommend mushrooms for patients, but it's one yeah. that I don't eat because <laughs> I hate the taste <laughs> of mushrooms. So I am a bad patient. I know that. So, but maybe I'll try <laughs> this recipe like and, and like it. So what, what's this recipe and will it make me like mushrooms? I, you know what? I have hope that it might. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> people sometimes don't like mushrooms because they have, can have a slimy texture to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it depends on, right? And, and a lot of people have said that. But with this, you take the shiitake mushrooms and you're really crisping them up. Honestly, A, it doesn't look like a mushroom when they're ready. They're these tiny little strips. And when I've eaten them at vegan restaurants, that's what sort of gave me the idea. I was like, tasting this, like, this is delicious. And then I explored what it was and I figured out a way that I could make it at home because it was so delicious and it gives this crunch. You know how we love that crunchy texture in our foods. So I have hope that, you know, if you tried, you you may eat mushrooms in that form. <laughs> I'm going to do it for you, Dr. Nadeau. I'll, I'll try it for you. I'll give it a shot. As you know, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. At the end of the episodes, we have your art of being well. This is Dr. Umenedu's Art of Being Well. First question is... What is the worst tasting healthy food? It tastes freaking disgusting, but you know there's amazing nutrition science behind it that you still have it for its health supportive benefits. Is there a food mm-hmm. that fits that criteria for you? So if I were to, you know, take that ashwagandha as the powder, my late relatives who are very practitioners would, you know, cause, because at that time they may not have had the fancy su- supplements that yeah, we have now. Yeah. That was not good tasting. And I was like, no, not really. Now, now of course, I see the health benefits of it and why they were telling me to do that. And that's why I know so bitter. So, would you have it like growing up in, in a home or you mentioned like relatives that would use it traditionally in Ayurvedic medicine? How would they have it? Would they eat it or would they make teas out of it? What would they Sometimes do? it often it was a, in my family, it happened to be a tea. Um, that that would be, and, and the thing is, you don't want to add a ton of sugar to it, right? So I remember being almost feeling like it was an elixir that I didn't like. So I mm-hmm. kind of didn't have it often and I avoided it if I could. So it's it definitely something. It's another one here is saffron. And the reason I mentioned saffron is it's the other food that, you know, it's a delicious spice. It's expensive. We don't use much of it, but it has a really good amount of evidence for mood and anxiety. But in the studies, you know, supplemental forms were used because they needed a higher dose than you get from just a few threads. So that's a great one as well mm-hmm. to to explore, you know, for, for different conditions. I agree with you. I've seen saffron be an amazing tool and same with ashwagandha for sure. Okay. What's your dream vacation? Ah, uh, I think going to a place that has access to the ocean. I love being near the ocean. 
where I can swim or I can just relax and read a book or do whatever it is I like to do. And that has options for both decadent meals because I'm on vacation, but also just healthy choices. Mm -hmm. So I can spend downtime, have space to do yoga if I wanted to, listen to great music if I wanted to. So yeah, those those, those are the things which hit, hit the high notes for me. Having, you know, just being able to almost unplug from, mm-hmm. from the world and not wake up to so many emails mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. You, yeah. you know what that's like. Oh yeah, I know it. Let's stay with the travel theme. What's Where's somewhere that you haven't been that you want to visit that's on your bucket list as far as vacations or how, traveling? I've never been to two places. Well, I've never been to a lot of places, but places that I would love to visit are parts of China, especially because I'm really interested in the food. And parts of Australia, because I've never had a chance to venture that far. And I just think they have very interesting food cultures, interesting, just haven't had a chance. So mm-hmm. You mentioned doing yoga. If you had to pick, what's your favorite yoga pose? I have to tell you, Dr. Cole, I don't, I don't always do this, but my aim is to do like a sun salutation in the morning. I find when I used to do it with my grandmother. And I find that not only is it grounded in, in a, a, a very good memory for me, but when I do it, my just my day unfolds very differently. But it's mm-hmm. you know it's making sure that I get to it. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I don't do it enough. My, I'm not even calling it like New Year's resolution. My like life resolution. I'm not waiting for any New Year. Is to be consistent with stretching. And I know yoga is more than that, yes. but stretching, yep. mindfulness, so like helpful. The, yeah. These sort of acts of stillness, these movements of stillness are so important. And so in my mind, I don't give it the attention that it deserves. I'm the same. And and that's why I always, I'm always, whenever I, it's a podcast or speaking to anyone, you know, none of us is perfect. It's, it's, it's all, we're all trying to do something a little bit better. And I think that's where we remain hopeful, you know, Mm -hmm. about, about improving. Yeah. Yeah. What is, if you, <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to hear your answer of this. What What's the weirdest wellness thing that you have done? Something for your wellness that you're willing to admit on a podcast? Anything that would be a little out there or people would be maybe a little controversial? Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I'm a really boring person. I mean, I'm just <laughs> such a boring person, but let me give it a thought. I'm, I'm going to be a, a big disappointment. I, you know, it's it, you fine. Know. You're being shy. You're being yeah. shy. It's probably some like enema or something like that. You don't want to share. I get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I think, no, yeah. I, I, Colonic. Yeah. yeah, it's all right. People have the funniest answers and you never know what you're going to get, but it's okay. I, I don't have that many weird things either, to be honest with you. <laughs> so this, this is funny because, you know, you could also just like, Depending on your age, you could just have your colonoscopy. Uh, yeah. That's always <laughs> fun. Yeah, That's right. Fun. <laughs> exactly. All right. What's your favorite? If you could pick, you're a chef, so maybe you it's your house it will be the answer. But other than your own cooking, what's your favorite restaurant in the world? And when you're there, what do you order? I went to this amazing restaurant in Rome, and it was purely by surprise. And I happen to have, uh, because I'm vegetarian, I had a vegetarian tasting menu. And it was absolutely outstanding. And I, I want to describe this one dish because the chef, uh, and I just want to preface this by saying I happen to be vegetarian. This was an excellent menu. It's, you know, it's not my my view on, on life and what everyone should be doing. It's just a certain experience that I had. He created 
this almost looked like a risotto, but it was made with cauliflower. It was seasoned deliciously. Mm. Because I'm a chef, I, I know this from the, the smell and the texture of these things. He created something that looked like it was bone broth and it was like mm. a bone, part of a bone marrow. It was entirely plants. Mm. And the flavor was absolutely delicious. Just how he worked with, and it was a tiny portion, it was delicate. It was really, I asked to meet him because it was, I was just so delighted by the food and the fact that he used things like celeriac, which other chefs do, but just the way that he did it was just so artful. So I remember that. I do remember that. And I would, I would go back there. Love that. What's a book that you've read in the last year? It could be fiction or nonfiction that just was very insightful or got you thinking in a, in a fresh new way? You know, I'm a Deepak Chopra fan and I often just keep certain obvious books and something that I always go back to and I actually did reread in the last year, especially as I was writing my book, I felt I needed the inspiration, is The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success because mm. I think it's, it's grounded in, although the, the, it has the word success, it's grounded in a very spiritual way around the mindfulness that, you know, often I, I, I fall off, you know, I kind of just, mm-hmm. what's happened this past week, I'm, I'm busy doing all of this stuff and forget that. And it's a good grounding tool for me. Mm-hmm. It's short. I, I can go through it and it, it's definitely something I turn to. Yeah. And I, this is me, I'm making the connection right now. You and I are both teaching faculty for IIN, right? I mean, you, you teach a course there, right? I don't think I've taught it yet. But, okay. but I've been I've been in conversation with them and it's okay. part, part of, has fallen okay. up because of my book. Yeah. Maybe it's un, unofficial. I just like gave it away. But I know that <laughs> I know I know the faculty there and they're great. And they're wonderful. And, yeah. and, and Dr. Deepak Chopra merged yes. with IAN, like his yes. teaching yes. institute merged, which great people, honestly, amazing group of people. As a, it, was a, it was a great coming together there. Yeah. And we have a lot of health coaches that listen to the podcast. So yeah, definitely uh, great, great resources there. If you haven't checked out IAN, I, I have also a question about uh, supplements for you personally. We've talked about yeah. someone, something out there, yeah. but I'd love to get like your personal, like what are two supplements that we haven't talked about today mm-hmm. that are, have been the most supportive for you? At different times in my life, and because I live in the Northeast, vitamin D, and also depending on levels of stress or what's going on, magnesium. So these are, you know, these are things I will turn to. I'm, I'm a bit of a, you know, bit of a nerd. I'm a test, don't guess kind of person. So mm-hmm. if, if I've been deficient, then I definitely take them. And times when I'm trying to manage stress a little bit, I do think magnesium can be super helpful. But it. I'll tell you, that's where electrolytes come in. You know, mm-hmm. having, having that as a constant mm-hmm. that you can go to is also, also important. Yeah. Dr. Umanidu, my friend, thanks so much for, honestly, on a personal level, for your years of support for me, it does not go unnoticed. Like, I, I appreciate you immensely. You're so thoughtful. Thank you. And I, every time, like, I've needed something, like, I've reached out to you. You've been there for me. And I'm just honored to have you thank on you the so show much. today. So thank you. It's so lovely to talk to you. I'm sending you a virtual hug. Thank you for supporting my work and my book. And uh, just for being such a great friend in this space. So tell people where can they go get the book? Where do they go? So they can go to my website, whenidomd.com. They can go to where books are sold. They can go online. On my website, we link to all the different bookstores. And follow me on social media at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O. Now, if you sign up for my newsletter, 
at when I do MD.com, you'll actually get the, you'll get a lot of bonuses when you buy the book. So that may be worth checking out. So you might want to do that. Love it. Come back anytime. I will. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.